Here's what I love. I love that God can be here among us this morning because he's alive. He couldn't, he couldn't show up on Sunday morning if he was still dead. He couldn't be here if he was still in a grave somewhere over in Israel that there's just a pile of bones from 2,000 years ago. The reason that God can show up today is because Jesus is alive. So happy Easter. Uh, man, you know, we've been digging into the last few weeks what it means to be devoted. And I, I feel like the Lord has challenged us. I, I know the Lord has challenged me in my devotion to him and, and to his church and that's good because sometimes, you know, it's just natural that sometimes our, our devotion wanes a little bit. There's times in our lives where, you know, we just feel like, man, God is just here and God is powerful and, and you just are blown away by God's presence. But then there's other times where it's just like, yeah, like, yeah it's just kind of here. It's, it's natural that our, our, our devotion wanes a little bit. And, and this week, I got a little bit of, a, a, little bit of a, a picture of that. It actually cracked me up. Uh, so uh, a lot of times, you know, I come into church on Sunday morning, come into the office, and over the years, my kids have left me like little notes on my desk for me to find on, on Monday morning. And so, I, you know, this one... Uh, it was from Alex. She was a little bit younger then. It said, love Alex. I love you, dad. You are special, S-P-E-S-H-L. You are special to me. Uh, and it says, happy Father's Day. Father's spelled with an O. Um, but, but, you know, I got that, and I was like, oh, that's, you know, and so I hung it on my, my, little, my little bulletin board, and then and then, and then I have Wyatt, and you know, boys, they're different. Boys don't have, you know, they don't use words like, like what, you know, girls have, they have a lot of words to get out through the day. But, but you know, guys, we're, we have a little bit less words, but, but you know, his, his was still nice. It said, but, but it just didn't have quite the, the devotion. But it said, have a good day. Yeah, have a good day, Wyatt. Not love Wyatt, just not, you know, have a good day, Wyatt, XOXO. And I thought, well, he, you know, hugs and kisses, that's, that's good, that's nice. So, and then, but then this Monday I come in and there's a post-it note from Micah. It says, do not die today. <laughs> it doesn't say, doesn't say, you know, love Micah, it just says, do not die today. Not even please. Please do not die today. Just, you know, just statement of fact. Continue to exist, Father. Uh, and, it, and it just cracked me up. Because I, I, we get that way with our relationship with Jesus, where it's just kind of, you know, there. Where I, you know, it's like, I still love Jesus. I, I still believe in Jesus. I still want to bring God glory. I still want to live him. All, all that stuff. But it's just like... My relationship doesn't have that fire. It, it doesn't have that passion about it. It's just kind of existing. And I think some of the time we lose that devotion because we lose our awe. 
We lose the wonder of Christ's love for us. What Christ did on the cross, the resurrection, we lose the awe of, of, of what that is and what that means. So I just want to take a little bit of time to explore that today. What Jesus did so that we, we can maybe get a little bit of the awe of Easter back. I want to look at the devotion Christ had and the kind of devotion that we need to have if we're going to be his follower, the kind of devotion we need to have if we're supposed to be Christians, reflections of Jesus. And I think that if we begin to appreciate how deeply devoted Jesus was to us and to glorifying the Father, I think it inspires us to have that similar kind of devotion to him. So when we talk about Jesus' devotion, uh, let's just start with this, that Jesus knew what was going to happen. In John 13, 1, it says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. In Matthew 26, verses 26 to 28, it says, As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. He broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and said, Each of you drink it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. And in Matthew 26, 2, he says, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Everything that Jesus was about to go through, he knew was going to happen. All of the pain, all of the torture, all of the mocking, all of the, all of the jeering, he knew it was going to happen. He knew it was coming. You know, it makes me ask the question to myself. Ask yourself this question. If you knew that you were going to be mocked and beaten and humiliated and tortured and killed in one of the most painful ways possible known to man, and you could opt out if you wanted, you could say, no, I, I don't think I want to do that. Would you? Would you still do it? Because Jesus did. Jesus knew what was going to happen. It, it, Jesus knew all of that was coming, and he still went to the cross anyway. In Matthew 26, verses 36 to 39, it says, Jesus, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Because he knew what was coming. 
But look at the devotion of the next statement. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus knew exactly what he was facing, but he chose the Father's will anyway. That's devotion. Matthew 26, 59 to 63. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. Jesus was being lied about. He was being railroaded. Jesus was having things said about him that were going to result in him getting hurt, him getting killed, him being crucified. And they were lies. But he didn't say anything. He remained silent. He didn't say it's not true. How many of us could let that happen? How many of us could do that? He said nothing. He just let it happen to him. That's devotion. Matthew 27, or Matthew 27 verse 26. It says, so Pilate released Barabbas to him. He ordered Jesus flogged with a leb-tipped whip. Then he turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Jesus was scourged with a whip that had pieces of bone, pieces of glass, pieces of pottery, pieces of lead on it, so that when you were whipped with it, it didn't just whip you, it tore you apart. They, they say that a lot of people that were scourged by the time they were done were partially disemboweled. And Jesus willingly went through that, experiencing more pain in those lashes than maybe any of us will ever experience. Willingly. That's devotion. In Matthew 27, verses 27 to 31, it said, Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire regiment. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. They placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in, in mockery and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and they grabbed the stick and struck him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe, put on his own clothes on him again, and they led him away to be crucified. Think about this for a minute. You have Jesus beaten and bleeding from the scourging. And now he's brought into their headquarters. And Jesus is stripped. And he's standing there naked. 
and the entire regiment is called out. That's 600 men. And they come out to make fun of him. They, they throw a purple robe over him. Uh, they put a crown of thorns on his head. They stick a, a reed scepter in his hand. As he's bleeding half naked, and they start making fun of him. Hail, King of the Jews. They take his scepter out of his hand and beat him in the head with it. Oh, they're pretending to worship him. Picture yourself in that moment, bleeding, naked, so everybody's looking at you, having just a piece of cloth hung over you and this crown of thorns, and everybody's staring, everybody's pointing, everybody's making fun of you. Think of the humiliation that you would feel in that moment. And Jesus chose to be humiliated for you. Some of you have endured shame and humiliation in your life. And I'm so thankful that I have a Savior that's able to say, I understand. They humiliated me too. In Mark 15, 22 through 27, it says, they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. They offered him wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. A sign was fastened to the cross announcing the charge against him. It read, the king of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha, look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? Well, then save yourself and come down off the cross. And he could have. He could have saved himself. He could have come down off the cross at any moment, in a word, in all of his glory, as God and king. They would have hit the ground, their faces in the dirt, crying, weeping, soiling themselves, destroyed at the power of the king of all creation coming in his glory. And yet he chose to stay on the cross. For six hours, he chose to stay on the cross. Every minute, he stood on the cross. And any second, he could have said, no, I'm done. But he chose every minute of those six hours to stay on the cross for you. That's devotion. That's devotion. 
That's what devotion looks like. In Mark 15, 33 and 34, it says at noon darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Many of you at times have felt abandoned by God. You've wondered if God was there, if God cared. You felt forsaken and abandoned. But you never were. Jesus promised, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He's, he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. You were never actually abandoned by God. But some of you have felt that way. You felt abandoned by God. And you know the pain of that. So imagine the pain of knowing that you actually were. That God had forsaken you, abandoned you, left you. God had abandoned you. That life apart from God, that's hell. And Jesus was abandoned willingly abandoned by God for you. That's devotion. Hebrews 12.2 says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. For six hours, he hung on the cross, willingly, every minute of it. And we always see pictures of it, but, but even on the cross, they hung them there naked because they wanted their shame to be complete. Not, not only were they hanging there in more pain than you could ever understand. But they were hanging there naked so that you just were completely embarrassed and shamed. And he endured it and disregarded the shame of it. And seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. In Mark 15, 37, it said that Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. In Mark 15, 44 and 45, it says that Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus had already died, so he called for the Roman officer and asked if he had died yet. And the officer confirmed that Jesus was dead. So Pilate told Joseph of Arimathea that he could have the body. Jesus died. 
You have to remember that. that that's so important. Jesus died. It was confirmed by a Roman officer who was an expert in making living people dead people. That was his job, was death. And he confirmed to Pilate, yes, Jesus is dead. The God of the universe, the creator of life, ceased to live for you. It doesn't even make sense that the creator of life would stop living, let alone that he would do it for me. Romans 5, 6 says, you see, at just the right time, when we were so powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's devotion. Here it comes. Here it comes. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 6. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. The angel spoke to the woman, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was laying. Only one. Only one. Only one could rise from the dead. Others can die. Uh, others have died out of a devotion to a cause. William Wallace, Joan of Arc, martyrs over the centuries. But only one tasted death, experienced death, and been dead in the grave for three days and then rose from that grave. Only one has tasted death only to spit it back out. Only one has conquered death rose from the dead and defeated the power of the grave and that is Jesus Christ. That's devotion. That's devotion. Only one has risen. That's devotion. Only one is alive and that's devotion. Only one is sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty still interceding for you and for me. That's devotion. First Peter 3.18 says, For Christ suffered once for all sins, 
the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. That is devotion. This is God's love for you. All of this that we talked about, every single verse of scripture that we talked about is because you are loved. You are loved. All of this that Jesus endured is because you are loved. Because God so loved you. And his will for your life is that you would receive it. That you would believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That you would confess your sins to him. That you would ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. That you would give your devotion to him. That you would devote your life to him. Who better to devote your life to? Why wouldn't you? No one, no one has ever loved you like that. Does your devotion, church, look anything like his devotion to you? Does your devotion, Christian, Christ follower, Christ reflector, does your devotion to him look anything like his devotion to you? Does your devotion to the church look anything like his devotion to the church? Jesus endured every bit of that for love. He stepped out of the grave for love. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Will you give your devotion to him? Would you ask him to reignite that passion and devotion in you? Would you maybe today take that step of faith to receive that gift of being loved by God? Jesus loves you, and he is alive. Let's pray.